This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. This week, Buddhists all across America come together to celebrate Passover. A few in a smaller sect will celebrate Easter. But this reflects the reality that Zen and the Buddhism that we are part of is not native to our country. And none of us were born into Buddhist families. Sometimes we refer to as convert Buddhism rather than the traditional Asian Buddhists. But even that uh, phrase is misleading because I think it's unusual for most people to think of themselves as as having converted uh, to Buddhism when they begin this practice. When we take Jukai, we say, I take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha. Traditionally, that taking refuge has meant becoming a Buddhist. And for many people, Jukai is rather a time to try to come to terms with just what relationship they have to Buddhism as a religion, Zen as a practice. How does that relate? their family and religion of origin. Are we able to practice two religions at once? It is not really for us a religion, but a practice. So what's the difference? Now, it's more or less inevitably the case that because we were not born into Buddhist families, there was something about the religion that we all grew up with, whatever it was, that felt unsatisfactory or lacking in something. 
was associated with a family or cultural situation that we wanted an alternative to, that we wanted to get away from. And that practicing Buddhism always has an element of, of home leaving in that sense for us. And it leaves us with the question of what is our relationship to that original home? There's a saying attributed to Trungpa, you think you're enlightened, just go home to your family for the holidays. Many people are left with very problematic or conflicted relations with their family or their religious origins. Some of you were down in Philadelphia for the session in, in which Peter Nichols received Dharma transmission. Part of that ceremony goes around and makes bows to his teachers, parents, and ancestors. And he chose, since this was taking place in a Catholic retreat center, to go make bows within the chapel of the, of the uh, retreat house, paying homage to his own Catholic origins. Which, which he had his own complicated relationship. At one point, even going to a Catholic seminary, well, deciding that that was for him unsatisfactory. But one way or another, as part of that ceremony, he acknowledged this is where I came from. I think as part of our practice, we all have to acknowledge one way or another that there's no such thing as a clean slate. There's no complete do-over or starting over when we begin this practice. There is some dimension that we encounter where there is just now just this, that's all. And that dimension is real. But there is also always a dimension cause and effect of context. Because the self is empty, the self is the sum of all the contexts and conditions given rise to it over the years. The same way we chant 72 labors brought us this food, we should know how it comes to us. We, uh, we're in the position of the food. 72 conditions made us who we are. 
We should know how we got here. In the poem of Hyakujo and the Fox, they famously told of an old teacher who thought that the enlightened person is not subject to cause and effect, was as a result reborn for 500 lives as a fox. My name, which is here in America, Majid, was originally Magid, a Hebrew name. My family coming at the turn of the 20th century from the Ukraine, from Odessa. The boat landed in Montreal, where the French influence changed Magid to Majid, softening the Jeep. Magid in Hebrew means something like a teacher. And if you read Martin Huber's Tales of the Hasidim, the stories of various different Magids, who sound often very much like Zen teachers. One student says of a particular Magid, I did not come to hear his sermons on the Bible. I came to watch him tie his shoes. Sounds very Zen. And in a way, I feel like I've stayed within the family business. On that tradition, as a Magid, as a teacher. But I've changed shape. From their point of view, I'm teaching as a fox. <laughs> In any case, holidays like this are always times in which we can reflect on our families, our origins, what we think we're doing here as Buddhists. Are we Buddhists? Are we going into practice the way we go into therapy? Go into some other kind of yoga without converting to something. Not a simple question. I think people are entitled to come up with different answers to it. I've tried to stress that I think this is a religious practice. As for me, religious notes something different than a technique different than something to do simply to get healthy or to make yourself sane or calm or something else like that. It's not about a particular outcome. Not everybody shares that. Not everybody has to share that. I'm going to begin 
discussing the book of uh, Householder Koans. And I suggested as a kind of prompt question for our discussion, what makes them koans? In particular, this week we koan revolves around a story of a family member with a uh, an addiction problem. What makes that story a koan? We're used to confronting stories like that as problems. It's extremely bad that this person is addicted. We want them to be able to stop. What can we do to help get them off drugs? What can we do to keep them clean and sober? These are problems. And they're better or worse answers to those questions. That's not the same as treating it as a koan. What's the difference? That's the question I want to leave you with.